0: Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the Restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Peinecker, and look who's in the house. It's Rebecca Bibliotheca. How are you doing today? Good morning, Steve. I'm doing great. How are you this morning? Oh, well, you know, I'm two hours ahead of you, so you guys are probably more tired than me, but I can, I can drink coffee, which is really cool. And speaking of coffee mugs... Ah, there she is, the MBR logo. Don't forget, mormonbookreviews.com. Check out the merch store. We've got a ton of different merch that you can also get for the channel. So as you know, the other day, uh, Rebecca and I introduced a new series within the purview of Mormon Book Reviews called Mormon Media Reviews. And uh, what we do is we feature uh, other podcasters, uh, films, TV shows, plays, musicals. And this is right where we're at. So we're going to talk to a couple of really cool dudes, Chris Metz and David Nolan, of the uh, recently released play, The Good Shepherds, which just came out a week ago. And and of course, Rebecca, you you were in that show. Chris and David, welcome to the program today. Thanks Thanks for having us. So um, before we get started on the play itself, I just want the two of you um, to just kind of give us a little bit of your backgrounds, like within the context of your faith. Um, You know, this is really interesting, folks, because, you know, I'm an evangelical Christian. And I know this place is is controversial because it has to deal with money in the church. But I also one one of the things I like, you know, based on the you now of course Rebecca saw the play, yeah, I haven't, was that you you guys also talk about other churches, other faith traditions in which there's money. Now of course the richest church in the world is probably the Catholic Church. You know, um, <clears throat> close second probably the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. And, you know, even as a Protestant, Protestants were very critical from early on within the Reformation about all the wealth accumulation of the Catholic Church. So this has been a problem. This has been an issue that's been with the church all along. And uh, this is not an anti Mormon program, as you all know. Uh, We're here to just to build bridges and have civil conversations. Um, And I think it's really important. But I also think it's important that my faithful audience needs to hear what do these guys think? You know, what where, where are you coming from? So David and Chris, I, I just want you to give us like a brief summary of your background so people can kind of know where you're coming from.
1: Cool. Go ahead, Chris.
2: Okay. Uh, Well, I grew up LDS. Uh, my dad wasn't a member. My mom was. Um, they ended up getting divorced and uh, my mom got remarried and married in the temple. Um, so a lot of my youth, I, I was pretty non-committal to the church. I didn't really, um, have much faith in it. And, uh, my senior year, I decided to go on a mission. So, um, and then, uh, you know, for the, the next 10 years or whatever, uh, you know, my, my wife and I, uh, we got married in the temple, uh, had five kids and, uh, you know, just slowly kind of watched the world, um, change a little bit around us and, uh, see the way that our families reacted to it uh, did a lot of studying and, um, just kind of eventually came to, at least for me, the conclusion that I, I don't believe in it anymore. And, and, uh, and I don't think it's good for, for my, my mental health, but, um, you know, I, I have a lot of family that's, that's still in it and, um, and they do great things with it. And so, um,
0: yeah.
1: Awesome. So <clears throat> I was born and raised, um, in the church. And you could say it came from a, a very strict, uh, Mormon background. My dad was a stake president up in Logan from age I was about age eight to 18. He was in it for about 10 years. Um, and just, he ran a very tight ship. We, we read scriptures every single day and, um, but hey, he made me go to ward choir as as a young kid, and uh, that's where I learned how to. My that's part of the reasons why I learned to love music. So, thanks, Dad. Um, no, they're they're great. Most of my uh, most of my family is still active. Um, we still attend. My wife and I and our kids, even though we're not afraid to uh, stir the pot, you could say. <laughs> um and honestly I, I wish I truly wish that more members were were willing to speak up uh on stuff that they think is bs um so yeah that's a little bit about me
0: so you know it's really interesting because i reading the article and you guys just told a story about how you went to the church for help with the financial assistance you fell in on tough times and you didn't get the assistance that Perhaps you thought you you should have been able to get, and then you then then the the report drops about the uh, hundred over hundred billion dollar funds and uh, in, in investments that the church has, and that kind of got the wheels turning for you. Maybe talk talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so I don't remember the exact dates, but um, we were living in the Huntsville Eden area of Utah, and um, we just. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but we just had a uh, a lot of really, really unfortunate things happen all at the same time. That was out of completely out of our control. And uh, as a very faithful member, I was hoping to get some just a little bit of help. We, were, we could really we could have really used it. And um, for whatever reason, it it just didn't happen. And I've always used music as my personal therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember ever since the fourth grade, I, I went through a hard challenge and wrote a cool song and, and performed it publicly and everyone loved it. And so ever since then, I've, I've used music to as my way of, of processing difficult things. And then after not getting any help, the lovely, whichever one came out first, the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or whoever, um, said, hey, Mormon church sits on $100 billion worth of stock. And to me, that was just kind of the punch to the face that, that really sent me reeling uh, into a depression, basically. So I, I used music to uh, try to claw my way out of that depression. I think up to that point, members, myself included, kind of knew that the church had some money, but I don't think any of us fathomed the literal dragon's hoard of gold that they sat on.
0: So it it was, it was pretty devastating. Very interesting. Yeah. So I, um, I, you know, I, I find this so fascinating, this whole thing. So this is actually, so now you find out about this, these assets and all these kind of things and you find out of all those. So now I actually want to just give us the nuts and bolts. What is it like to sit down and start writing a play and or start writing a musical? Uh, You know, just give us, you know, tell us a little bit about that because I I find that very fascinating. Sure. So it wasn't, (laughs) it didn't start out as, oh, they have
1: 100 billion and I'm going to write a musical. It started out as a therapy for me to process this difficult situation my family had been placed in and um and some really gut-wrenching song and that's the word the Washington Post used some really like just thoughtful thought-provoking gut-wrenching type songs came out of it um, such as a song called 25,000 and, and that number is, is the number of human souls that die from starvation every single day so uh really deep songs like that uh look down on me tears of the fallen like some of those powerful uh, tragic type of songs came as a result of that and i had written those and i'm like okay well that's cool so now what now what do i do with this um and I kind of shelved it for a little bit and more and more songs kept coming and I'm like, okay, no, I got to do something with this. And then and then the concept started forming because I already had a lot of cool songs in the works.
0: Very interesting. So now Chris gets into the picture. Now you're the one that actually did like the script and the dialogue and and so maybe talk about your your role in this and maybe how you guys got together on this collaboration. Sure.
2: Uh, yeah, well, Dave's a huge go-getter, um, and uh, I think as soon as he decided to, to do this, he just immediately started reaching out to, uh, you know, the professionals in the theater inter- industry and, um, you know, trying to get people involved to, to help and, and make it the show that it needs to be. So um, he reached out to uh, my, the theater company that my wife um, is, is president of here here in Logan, um and just was you know asking hey can i you know get a sense of your this process and like what you know what you guys do and um and uh and so we you know we went out to lunch and we had a good conversation about it and um i remember just uh you know because i've 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 been in in his position where i i'm i'm, I'm you know just need to create something and um and, uh, and, and it's just like a, a, it's like breathing, you know, and it, and it doesn't stop until you do it. And, um, you know, I just remember thinking like, I really just want, I just really want this to be successful for him, you know? Um, so, you know, I asked if I could look over the script and, and help him out with it. And he sent me this script and, and I said, well, <laughs> you know, I don't think this script's going to fly, Dave, <laughs> like if you want it <laughs> to be as, as, you know, as, uh, as enduring, I guess, as, as, as you want it to be. And so, um, so I offered to kind of look through it and, and, uh, and do some writing for it. So um, we ended up with a, a, a one, the first act, and it was really close to the same story that he had started with. And I just had kind of written myself in the corner, um, couldn't figure out why it wasn't exciting and and why it wasn't really coming together. And I just, at two o'clock in the morning before we had our read through, I just had kind of an epiphany and, and I was like, this has got to be a different story. Um, and, uh, you know, we kept the same characters and the same, uh, some of the same uh, beats that were really important to the songs and things like that. Uh, but, you know, we had a car ride down to, to, uh, Ogden where I explained the whole thing to him right before we were doing the act one read through of the one that we scrapped. So it was, uh, it was an interesting and fun process. Um, uh, one of the great things was just trying to um, connect all the pieces of all these beautiful um, songs that he had written, and and giving them context in the story. Um, you know, maybe adding or changing a few lyrics to make it a little more story driven. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a great, crazy experience.
1: So. That's if great. I could well, interject for a second
3: yes, I <clears throat> saw the production at, with a group of friends and I said to them about halfway through I said I'm going to make a guess on their process the songs came first <laughs> that was my guess you can tell that the songs are powerful you know they're lyrical they're musical I could tell that you know that the, the songs were where it was at and then the story supported so that comes through in the production the the songs are an extremely powerful driving part of the entire production
1: thank you and i will say um (laughs) like i'm an i guess i guess i'm a decent songwriter but i've never really considered myself to be a a script writer but um through the process it was really cool because i i had a few songs where i'm like eh, i I don't know I, i don't know if this song's gonna work even though i had written all i mean i scrapped a bunch of different songs and and i'm like chris i think what do you think about this one and i just sang it for him and he's like oh my gosh we got to figure out how to get this one into the production and that song was called a packaged life which, which talks about how people in the church have to fit into this little box um and if they ever escape this little box they it's not good and anyways that song like i have heard more positive feedback from that song versus any other song and that was a song that i had originally scrapped and chris is like no we got to figure out how to get this one in there so anyways it it was just cool to see how we were able to build and and work off of each other
0: well rebecca um you know you went and saw the play and of course you this is your wheelhouse so i i just want you to maybe uh ask ask a few questions for these guys because like uh You know, one of the purposes of this program is to kind of just hear all the different voices of the restoration, but also the different means of people. It's not just about books, but it's other areas. And so I think this is like the perfect um, place to have this conversation. So, Rebecca, why don't you just go and have some fun?
3: Huh? I will. I'm just looking at myself on camera. I have some yeah, light the sun. on yes. me. The, the sun is coming in, so I don't, I'm just glowing. Hopefully, that yes. won't be distracting to people. I'm trying to text my <laughs> husband saying, come help me fix this lighting. So, <laughs> but we are talking about the theater, and lighting is a big part. So um, I guess you you've described a little bit of your process. I am very curious about your cast. Um, they seemed extremely committed to the project. I mean, you could tell they were very emotional um, and and really feeling the message and the content. Tell me how you found your cast, who they were, you know, what the process was there.
1: Yeah, so, and feel free to chime in, Chris. Um, when we had the auditions, I I gave them a little pep talk, you could just say, just basically saying, hey, if if this isn't something you're passionate about, like truly passionate about, uh, and I've said, you know, it all goes back to our our main purpose, which is attempting to be a voice for the forgotten, right? So, and that's what I told him. I, I said that's what this production can do. That's what it has the power of being. And if you're just not feeling it and you're not truly passionate about it, you know, here's the door and it was nice meeting you. So, and we did have some people like, eh, this isn't, and that's great, you know, every, that's great. And they, they chose to leave. And uh, so we replaced some, some people who chose to leave. And, and uh, you know, we've, we were able to find a very diverse cast. Um, Chris, maybe you can talk about how how some of them like inspired a bunch of the script and like have lived the lives of those we portray.
2: absolutely, yeah.
1: so uh, I guess going back to to the end of my other story
2: is that we went and we did this uh this read through the first act, and I had already come up with this concept of, um Dave had this really great idea to make one of the one of the characters gay. Um, and one of the songs was,, uh, you know, kind of kind of her coming out song and uh and that was such a cool concept and that was probably I I remember thinking at 2 a.m being like what is the most interesting character trait amongst all these characters because at first they kind of as I wrote it they kind of blended together and they ended up kind of feeling like the same three people just in different bodies uh you know and and I ended up coming on that was that 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 her character trait was um you know the most most important thing the most interesting thing about her character was that she was a uh, um that she was gay and um that kind of started a spark for a bigger story so um you know as i explained the story to to dave and and we got to to do the read through very first thing i said to the cast was um, okay guys so <laughs> So we're gonna read this, just so you can get a sense of basically how I write and uh, sort of what the characters may or may not be like. Uh, and and uh, I've got a complete rewrite basically in my head that, that, uh, that we're going to be doing. So um, what was cool though, during that time, I didn't realize, and I don't know how this happened. I really don't. Um, maybe Dave has a better idea of this, but literally everyone uh, in the cast had some relation to a marginalized group that we were trying to represent. So, they uh, there were several that had been homeless before. Uh, many of them were part of the LGBTQIA uh, plus community. Um, there we had you know, uh, BIPOC, uh, and we had um, you know uh, members of the church. We had. Uh, uh, people who have left the church that, I mean, it was just all across the board, these people who um, have been marginalized somehow their entire lives. And I remember just doubling down on that after that. I was like, this is the story that I, that I have to write and I have to do, uh, you know, David's songs justice um, with this. And so, yeah. And a- along the way we, we ended up asking, you know, a lot of um, questions in regards to, you know, since we had that, Uh, expertise within our cast we we asked um if they were comfortable to share stories and uh, we had a few uh reach out to me and um tell me their stories and and some of those elements are actually included uh in a lot of the background stories of, of the characters within the show so
3: yeah that was one of the most surprising things to me about the show because um much like David, right when that story broke um, about the money, um, my family was going through a situation where we were putting our elderly parents into an assisted living. So money's tight. There's a lot of, you know concern about that. And I realized, you know, they uh, they paid like fifteen percent tithing, They paid fifteen percent fast offering. They were extremely faithful. I realized that the bulk of their money for retirement and to help with this assisted living situation, was sitting with the church, (laughs) and then when I found out how much money that was sitting there, you know, I had a similar epiphany, like David, I just, you know, it was devastating to me, thinking that these faithful, hardworking, my parents, and now we're struggling to make them comfortable, you know, in a safe situation in their later years, so when the play was announced, I'm like, I need to see this, you know, I'm on board, I have personal, I have the same kind of feelings, right, the same kind of just frustration and anger, you know, that my parents, and of course you can do what you want with your money. <laughs> you know, there's there, there all those nuances. But but then when I went to see the play, I saw that there were bigger issues, exactly what you were describing. Those bigger issues dealing with homeless, um, poverty, people in need, um, LGBTQ, all of those issues. So it really is a much a broader scope than simply dealing with, you know, a religion that perhaps is not using their resources the way they could so i was very impressed with that and and i came away telling people no this is not just about oh the tithing you know because i think maybe some people thought it was that just a, a bashing piece a slamming piece it wasn't it wasn't at all so that's exciting to hear that from your cast you delved into their lives because it was very authentic i thought a lot of the stories and that makes sense to me now so
2: yeah i think we really wanted to just you know show there are problems within these communities that um, the church can solve um they easily could solve many of these things or at least provide resources for people to um to deal with uh, any challenges that come from being part of those marginalized groups um and so yeah i mean to to represent that in a in the most human fashion you know i think uh being able to draw from those personal experiences, and and really this entire show was drawn from personal experiences, um, so definitely hope that's something that people understand when they come and see the show. So
3: yeah, my group, my group certainly did. The other thing I thought was was interesting, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this. I assumed it would be this is all about the LDS Church and their money, and so when we first started watching it. Um, the characters that played the religious organization, they weren't really dressed, you know, you would think they would be in suits, you know, there'd be a certain stereotype. But then I started to realize you, it's more universal. You're representing perhaps any religious organization that isn't using their, you know, their assets, the way that Jesus might want them to. So at first I was, my friends and I were like, I wonder why they don't, Show the religious people in, you know, suit the the standard uniform, right? But then I started to realize that. So maybe talk a little bit about that. How this is more universal, has a broader appeal with that that kind of situation.
1: So, um, well, for my character, the the egocentric, self absorbed. Uh, he was good, CEO. Steve.
3: He was so he, good.
1: He, <laughs> he, he can he can look and dress and act however he wants. Yeah. So, um, so for him, I, I didn't particularly care. Um, but yes, for the others, um, we definitely wanted to, to, uh, make it more universally applicable instead of just the business suits and ties. And, and I personally hate wearing suits and ties. And, uh, and I said, there's no way in hell I'm going to wear a suit and tie during this. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, it worked. It's great, and I think a lot of people will understand that message. It's not just—it's any religious organization that maybe isn't overseeing their funds and using them the way Jesus would want them to. I would love to see. I think we have a, a clip or a mm-hmm. promo video. Do you think this is a good time, Steve, to show that just so it, people kind know is, what we're talking about?
0: And, and, but before we get there, I just I want to address that because you know I live in a in a community that um, it was started by basically people who were televangelists. And uh, back in the day, I was offered jobs with televangelists. Um, so I know, I, I know all about, I also know about churches within my faith tradition that don't open the records to the congregation about where the money's going. Um, there are some great churches. I've been to churches where they would tell you how much we took in last week, what the expenditures were. They'd have an annual business meeting and they would, it would be open. Uh, some places would even open it to the public, not just members of the church say, you know, the transparency, but unfortunately that's not really, that, 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 that's not very common. And, uh, and so that's why I like, like you, you had mentioned Rebecca that uh, to me beforehand was that uh, like Kenneth Copeland is addressed in this too. So I just want you guys to talk a little bit about how, like we talk about the Universalists, but also try to bring in other groups that all, and how you talk about them and address them in your, in your musical. Well, the
2: bigger thing is that, uh, there was this uh, song that Dave wrote called uh, seventeen ninety one and um it uh, goes over basically how churches were given the lawful ability to hoard these wealths uh, tax free um, and uh, and it's a really cool song um and and that's kind of I think at least for me when I started uh, writing this. I tried to make that be the most universal aspect, that this is sort of a loophole that any religious organization can exploit. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, just because they're a religious organization doesn't necessarily mean that they will exploit it, but it is um, something that's a potential and is being exploited by some. Um, And, uh, you know, just as Rebecca pointed out, we we definitely tried to just make it super um, conceptually uh, universally applicable. Um, that was one of the things that I thought at first we sort of like leaned into just the LDS church maybe too much and I wanted it to be this this thing where uh, you know we had this we discussed this David and I that uh, we need to see it from all the different perspectives and what needs to happen is that the characters should express their own personal opinions um so that by the end anyone who comes and sees it can grasp whatever they want from it we have true blue mormons uh true blue mormon characters within the show that have some growth we have uh mormons that leave we have ex mormons we have um you know people who who have never been part of the church um you know it, it's it's just and, and i've i've had friends ask you know well you know uh, Mormons don't swear like that, or or you know, because we have we have some swearing in there and stuff. And I'm like, I I, I have the different experience of yes, they do, and so, uh, that's kind of something that uh, I leaned into at least on the script side was I want to show the most human elements of the Mormon community, and I think in that way it made it more applicable to, um, to you know religion in in general and religious people in general being able to see that hey we've got some commonality here um and and by extension we might have some of the same problems within our religious organizations so
0: so yeah i can i can verify folks that i uh, know many many people are members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and i've heard the swears too so i can verify and i sometimes wonder that they feel like they can use them in front of me because of maybe <laughs> I'm not one of them, right? You know, so they feel like oh, okay, I can I can use a little bit more saltier language. Yeah. Um, so Chris, what I'd like for you to do is we're gonna do I have enabled screen share and uh, make sure that your volume is is up because I, I want to make sure that our audience is able to hear the musical numbers. Um if there's technical difficulties, folks, that's part of just what it is. But I want you guys to get a sense of the imagery um and the and the music of your program and i'm very excited uh i just watched it right before we taped and it was like whoa this is really good and Rebecca, of course you went and saw the play and i did uh, and
3: 1791 was one of my favorite songs it was very educational i came away singing that with the rap yeah sorry i'm singing and dancing but no it was very educational and very well done in describing that dynamic of churches being very much under the radar and a lot of things so that nice. was a great song
2: that's so, our Billy Eilish impersonation
0: song. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you said there's 25 songs in this musical, or is it 24 songs? Did you say?
1: I think there's 20. Well, there's 20-ish, but if you include reprises and things like that, there's yeah. So
0: okay. All right, we ready to see this? We're ready to roll, dude. Okay, right. let's make this. So um, in the meantime, while we're still waiting here, Rebecca, um, oh, here we go. All right. There's our guy, man. This is looking really good. So we got David right there on the screen. All right, Chris, why don't we hit play and uh, let's uh, watch this together. It's just about a minute long, folks.
2: plug for for jack betty there that's david's uh alter ego
3: is the music available anywhere is it like on spotify or an album because yeah
1: something
3: you definitely want to
1: do (laughs) yeah people people can search the good shepherds on apple music or spotify or youtube or whatever and a bunch of songs are on there and at some point i know chris keeps (laughs) Chris keeps bugging me about it, but at some point we're, we'd love to do a cast album with all the songs. But for right now, there's like 10 or
0: 12 of the songs on there. So you guys, you released this, you do a show, you did shows. How many, first of all, how, uh, this just was a two week run and uh, or was it a one week run? And um, I noticed that in the article, you originally had secured a venue, but then you changed venues. Maybe just talk a little bit about how it was to get everything scheduled. And then I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to hear your feedback of the feedback you guys have been getting since people have gone and seen it. Okay.
1: Um, so for the run, uh, I guess you could call these these first three shows kind of like a trial run, quote unquote, because it, it was not a full run. The goal is to get to a full two-week run. Uh, Chris, maybe you can explain... Part of the logic behind that, but we first wanted to um, prove that it was viable, I guess you could say. And as indicated by the standing ovations we had every night, I you know we we think we think it went great. So uh, Chris, maybe you can talk about what the next steps would be, including a full run. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This this time was
2: definitely a a what they would call it on Broadway a workshop. Um, and uh, we did have three, uh, three nightly shows, and we, we definitely would have loved to have done more. Um, it just was not logistically possible um, for us this time around. Um, and yeah, we did, uh, we had a another venue, uh, the Piri's Egyptian Theater. Um, and again, things didn't quite work out there. Um, we had a, a slew of, of challenges during this show uh, that I think we uh, handled with grace and, um, and it ended up being a, a fantastic show. But uh, again, in the future, we would love to do, you know, a two or a three week run. Um, it, that gives you the time to, you know, build momentum. People come and see the show the first weekend, uh, they go and they uh, talk to their friends at work or at church and they say, hey, this show is awesome. Or they say, this show stink. And either way, People are hearing about the show, and uh, we we double or triple our our numbers by the third weekend. So um, that's really, I think, what we want to do next is is potentially solidify uh, our story a little bit more, get things tighter, um, and then have that three week run. So,
0: so I'm just curious about the feedback you're getting. So, I and I kind of want to know the nuts and bolts here. So, you get feedback. I'm sure po- a lot of positive, but also probably some negative. So when you when you get that kind of feedback, how does that impact what you're, maybe how you're gonna make adjustments on the program? Like, okay, well, maybe we could tweak this or add something or take something out um, based on maybe just the response you get from the audience.
1: Well, at least for- So so hey, I'll you, start yeah. with a few. I'll start with one. So uh, <clears throat> Rebecca, do you remember the song called Let's Buy Florida?
3: Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> Let's buy so, Florida. Uh, yeah, yeah you'll, you'll appreciate that one. Um, so anyways, I had multiple people tell me saying, Dave, you need to like make it clear in your programs, like put a few source materials in there because all the active Mormons thought that you 100% made up out of the blue, let's buy Florida. And it, it's not true. The entire song including the dollar figures and the and the acreages mentioned in the song are facts. And, and the, the Mormon church is the largest land owner in Florida. And the fact that that active Mormons just think that entire song was made up out of thin air. It's like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> so, the, so anyways, like these are the little things that, that I have learned um, is, yeah. Anyways, go ahead with what you were saying. Maybe, well, just, maybe just you real could real add it
3: into the song. Maybe at the end you could just <laughs> say it's a fact. Look it up. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> and it's fascinating because growing oh, up, I mean, we we've had property here in Florida since the '80s. And a friend of my father's, my father was a, a businessman. <clears throat> he was actually a CEO of a multi-level marketing company for a while. <laughs> but but they were wor- he was working with a guy who was uh, in the Indy Racing Hall of Fame, a man of means, a man with connections. So this is like the '80s. So like, there's no internet. But he went to my father and he said you know the mormons see what we're driving through this is all owned by the mormons like he knew and he said they own like two or three percent of the land here in florida we knew this in the in the 80s um mm-hmm. so this this is not a secret so i just knew all along growing up all oh, the mormons oh the church of jesus christ Day saints owns a, a lot of land and of course now we this is the other thing too they've already announced they're going to build like a mega city in florida too you know so <laughs> that's all the property that that they own so we we, we know all that but either way that's just a little fact what I want to drop in there. Re- I Rebecca, think it's
3: impossible for most people and Mormons to understand how much money that is. I just, uh, you know, when I people say, oh, it's good that we're frugal. I just don't think they comprehend how much it is. I wish there were a way musically to write a song, to explain, you know, somehow. I've seen different devices trying to use to help people understand how much money that is. I don't think most people have any comprehension. We just can't no. understand it.
1: No, they don't. And that's why they, that's why a lot of them just, write it off yep. 100 billion 200 billion who cares like because they can't they can't fathom you're right they they, they can't possibly fathom that level of money. no
3: and that's why i like facts like i think i read it would take something like five billion dollars to cure malaria completely something like that i mean when you start telling people that look you could just throw five a cool five billion after this problem i mean they just don't get it <laughs> they just don't get how much good that money could do not only good, but just changed the world. Even here, just in Utah, eradicate child hunger. I mean, don't get me started, but yeah, your play definitely delved into some of those, but I do feel that a lot of people it just went over their head, just like that.
2: Well, and I have to say the, uh, one of the, I think probably the most interesting conversation that I had um, uh, as a result of, of, of me posting about this show, um, I had a, a friend from college reach out and just say hey I I just feel like from the things that I read on the website and um, and what I've heard I, I just don't feel like this is something that I want to spend my money on being told that I'm not that I'm in a church that's you know <laughs> that I should leave or something like that and I said "Uh, you know this is the post that I that I put up was this uh, everything we are and everything we're not Um, and that's those are lyrics from uh, two of the songs that that David wrote um, and very beautifully put Um, and I just kind of laid out what we were trying to accomplish and what we were not trying to accomplish and and you know uh, one of the things that I said in there was just that you know what we want to do is is encourage dialogue we we need but we're not trying to dissuade anyone from being a member of the church. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. We just say your faith journey is your own. And, um, we're just pointing out issues that are, uh, real issues that are affecting people. Uh, we don't know what, what the answer is as far as like how to fix that, but it is a problem and people need to acknowledge it. But, uh, I got in a conversation with, uh, with this, uh, college friend and, uh, I just couldn't get her to get past that wall of, 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 you know, feeling like if she partook in this that she was doing something wrong. And so, you know, she laid out a couple of things and I laid out some very, very uh, well-worded arguments. Uh, but uh, by the end of the day, I got her to come to the show um, and she came and saw it. And I could tell when I, when I talked to her that she was like, uh, you know, she was like really proud of like the work that I did and things like that. And I was like, okay. And I, I, I got brave and I, I messaged her and I was like, um, so what, what did you really think? You know? And, and she was like, what do you want? Do you want just honest praise or do you want, or do you want just praise or just honesty? And I was like, well, somewhere in between. Cause I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I, I realize that some people are not going to, to jive with, with the message, um, and so I just was like, I wanted kind of like a base level how your feeling was as a member of the church, um, you know. And uh, she kind of gave me the the response that you would you would expect um, from from someone who's you know true blue Mormon. Um, and I and I responded and just said, one of her main complaints was like she like we said previously, um, you know, this isn't the experience that I had in the church. Um, I don't know that Mormons swear a lot, um, you know, those sorts of things. And, and I wrote back and I just said, well, the problem with that is, is that most of us in the cast and Dave and I are both, uh, grew up in the church. So these are all actual experiences and characters are based off from people that we know or ourselves, all of that. And so that's actually not valid, uh, and then she wrote me this big old long reply that I didn't read. Cause I was just like, ah, I don't, I don't, I feel like this is going to be closed minded. Uh, but I waited a couple of days and, uh, and then she replied and she's like something, something didn't feel right about what I said. And if your, if your intention with this show was to get people thinking, um, it's worked for me. And she's, uh, you know, she said that she is going to be studying and, and just trying to, you know, sort of, figure out where she goes from here as far as uh you know maybe holding the church accountable or just understanding where they align with with you know like the principle of tithing and what they do with their money and so i do think that this is is uh it's clearly accessible you know uh because even even people who are who are very uh very much um still in the church and and devoted to that um I think they can find something, and whether or not they agree with every single thing that the characters say, I think they're going to find something that will help them think and 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 live their religion even better. So.
3: And a lot of your characters have a story arc like that. Some of them are very rigid, and then as they're exposed to different things throughout the play, you can see that they're changing. So I thought that was a really good lesson, and and maybe a hope for people inside of the church. You know, take a look at things.
2: Acceptance, right. I think, is the big thing acceptance. that we we're shooting for. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
3: I think a lot of people, they just don't think about it. I have a memory of being a kid walking on Temple Square with my dad, and a homeless person came up and held his hand out to my dad. My dad, like I said, they paid 30% of their income to the church in fast offering and tithing. He's a very charitable, giving, loving man. But when this homeless person in person asked my father for something, he said, Oh, I give to the church. You can turn to them for, I mean, he, he, he could not actually hand a person in need any kind of help because he, in his mind, just give it to the church. They will then facilitate the help. And I think that in the past, that's really been the point of view. I think now things are changing you see people giving, what are they calling it? Are they calling it designer tithing? Whatever the, the catchphrase is, trendy, where they're actually- Trendy tithing. <laughs> trendy tithing, that's what it is. Where they're, you know, people are going, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know? And, and I think the the revelation of the all the money that they have, people are now going, you know what, I'm actually gonna give my money to something or someone where I can actually see that good's being done. So I think there is that change. But I, I've never forgotten that story with my dad because I knew he was a very charitable person, yet he felt giving it to the church was- helping this person in front of him. His mind just did not quite connect that. So, and I thought your play definitely showed that, that, that people, the people that played the characters in the church, they, you know, they were donating, they were helping, but here they are faced with, here's the homeless character. Here's, you know, LGBTQ that need assistance, acceptance. Yeah. It was, it was a good learning arc, I thought, for the characters and hopefully for people in the audience too.
1: Right. Yeah. Thank you for that story. So uh, right after that, um wall street journal article or whichever one came out first with the hundred billion uh the very first thing i did and and i'm not saying the catholic church is any better but i googled how many homeless shelters did the catholic church own and operate and and they own and operate hundreds hundreds of homeless shelters and then I, I already knew the answer but I, I googled how many homeless shelters does the Mormon church own and operate of course none zero and and that and I remember that was like my first level of research I guess you could say for for the musical and then I I wrote a song about from a homeless man's perspective like like that gentleman who who put his hand out to your dad and and the active Mormon members, see the homeless and say, no, I, I already give 10%, you know, that the church does so, so many wonderful things that I can't afford to give. And the reality is they're giving so much money to the church that they can't even afford to give to anything else. And I, I just, I just want, like Chris said, we just want to open some eyes. We want to start a conversation. And And the bottom line that I wrestle with is if Jesus came down right now, would he be thrilled and happy that the Mormon church has the world's biggest stock portfolio? Or would he perhaps say, you know what, guys, here's a list of the millions of human lives you could have easily saved like that. So to me, the answer is crystal clear. And we're just, we're just trying to get um, people to maybe open their eyes a little bit, I guess you could say.
0: So I want to know you you did your workshop. Well, Chris, did you want to say something, Chris?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say that along those same lines that uh, one of the things that always bothers me is uh, the homeless problem in Salt Lake alone um, is so evident as soon as you get into the city. I mean, they're everywhere. And how is it that you know this church that you know you're raised to just believe that they are doing so much good, and then they're sitting on a hundred billion why is the homeless problem so bad in in their city at, at the very least, you know? So anyways, that was something that that impacted me as well.
0: So this has been a pretty um, kind of a harsh episode talking about this kind of stuff. And, and, and it's a little different than my program, but these are also voices within the Restoration. And like I said, all the voices of the Restoration are going to be heard here at Mormon Book Reviews. And I'm glad that you guys came on today to talk about your, your program that you're doing. I also, uh, this is, this is what I'm, I'm curious. You did your workshop. So you did your three, your three nights. I'd like to know what is next. What is your next step?
1: Dave. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I couldn't tell if, if every single person in the audience gave us a standing ovation, but, but from my perspective, it, at least on the final show, it, it it appeared that the entire audience was on their feet at the end. And, and there's no way the, the entire audience was all non Mormons or ex Mormons or whatever. I guarantee there were a bunch of, of active Mormons there. So the bottom line is it, it was written for, and it's applicable to, to any believer or non-believer, regardless of which religion they prescribe themselves to. Um, So what, like Chris said, if we can get a longer run, like a, like a three, two or three week run, That would just give us such a better opportunity for for members of the church and people who aren't and everyone in between to be like hey guys you gotta come see it um and then that's really how we will build the momentum and then hopefully after that point um hit some neighboring cities like i know there's some there's some pretty significant interest in the phoenix arizona area which is like a junior mormon especially like the mesa gilbert the southeast corner of phoenix that that that's very heavily mormon so so we've had significant interest to bring the show down there we'd love to do some regional um, spots like san diego la uh, vegas phoenix and and kind of just grow it regionally and if if there's potential there then we can see where it goes at that point but that's kind of the next step so um to help us get there my I'm I'm trying to to track down it, uh, some sort of executive producer who who might believe in, in the cause, and and again, as we've alluded to multiple times, the cause that that people just unfortunately write off <laughs> is um, that we're trying to be a voice for the forgotten, and and I think uh, Rebecca, you could agree. You went and saw it. I think the final song it. it it sums it up really good. The final song is called Everything We Are. And it's basically a celebration of humanity and the fact of it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, if if you're this religion or this religion or no religion or whatever, like why, why do we pick apart all these differences and why are we not focusing on the good and, and what we are? So it's just a message of hope and and redemption and um and as soon as we can get our two or three week run set up i think i think it'll
0: be on its way so cool cool rebecca was there anything you wanted to ask me before we uh wrap this up
3: um i like the concept that this was sort of a workshop i think that's good because i think you can learn a lot you probably Can learn a lot by how the audience was responding and and i agree that final song i think that you know that spurred the ovation it's a really excellent song steve it really was all the characters come walking out and and just a very powerful musical number at the end so yeah i love it that you're 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 workshopping it you're honing it you're fine-tuning it and just so that you can get it out to everybody because i think the message is definitely worth hearing. Absolutely. So, and it's quite an accomplishment. It really is.
2: It was a lot of work.
0: Well, David and Chris, I just want to thank you so much for coming onto the program today um, and sharing thank your you. story and kind of give us some background on your lives and just kind of what the nuts and bolts are of putting together a play. I think that our audience will find it very interesting. Um, was there any final words you'd like to say to the audience before we uh, wrap this up?
1: I'll just be fast. And then Chris, I'll, I'll let you have the final word. So, um, thank you so much to those who, who came and saw it like Rebecca and you brought your friends. I mean, that that's awesome. Um, to those who, who completely misjudged it and mislabeled it. And I, I would just ask you to, to really consider the true purpose. Um, and, uh, I mean, we don't need to get into the details, but we had crazy backlash, people yanking down our posters all over the place. And like, if you don't wanna come, that's fine. Don't come to it. But at the same time, um, I, I don't think it's fair to, to just label it as some sort of hate piece when half the audience is in tears because of how how moving and how meaningful it is so um yeah to those of you who came thank you very much and come again when when the two re- two week run happens chris yeah um
2: for me uh, i guess along the same lines i just um I really hope that we can get to a place where as um you know people here on this earth that we Extend some understanding uh, to each other, and and really, this this whole show is just about perspective. Um, you know, we don't want to hurt anyone's faith. Uh, we want people to come, and, and we want them to see um, how other people are experiencing things, and and maybe gain some some growth from that, and some ability to um, to help you know people once they understand their perspective. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that, uh, that Jesus would, uh, would want for everyone to, to kind of find that universal concept of like, you know, how do we find common ground here? Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, a, a really uh, grateful for this show. And I, and I, and I feel, um, we were able to represent something that I really, sorry, if you can hear my kids in the background screaming, uh, something that, uh, I really wanted, and I feel like hasn't been represented in media, um, too much in the past was, um, from a perspective of somebody who is in the church, uh, currently seeing their struggles represented in a way that, that wasn't for some, uh, you know, gospel lesson or something like that, you know, just seeing, Hey, yeah, I struggle with that. That's, that's hard. Um, you know, some, some of the characters struggle with, um, Their identities and and being accepted for their identities and uh some of them struggle with with uh you know uh substance abuse and and um death and and uh, and uh spousal abuse that kind of stuff um and so i hope that people just come and they're able to sit through it and really understand and feel represented as as a mormon people whether you're somebody who's in it or left or um maybe just somebody who deals with similar things within their religious organization, so.
0: Well, Rebecca, I wanna thank you so much for helping lining this up. Apparently, Rebecca's kind of becoming my unofficial booking agent now. Um, and this is something, I, I'm I'm really glad we did this. And 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 thanks, Rebecca, for helping uh, set this up.
3: Yeah, these guys yeah. are awesome. I'm excited to meet you guys in, well, almost in person, right? Maybe we'll have to meet somewhere in Salt Lake and have lunch someday, because yeah, yeah, you guys are awesome. Great. Fabulous.
0: <laughs> So, folks, I want to thank you uh, for watching today. Um, please leave your comments. Uh, we'd like to hear what your uh, thoughts are on this episode. I just want to remind you to like and subscribe and don't forget to hit the notification bell for when a new episode comes out. Also, um, I'm going to provide links in the description to, uh, so that for their website or whatever you guys want to send me. So, if people want to email you guys or whatever, our inquiries we'll, we'll we'll put that in there also in the description we will have uh if you would like to support the channel uh we'll have PayPal links patreon links as well as the merch store mormonbookreviews.com also remember folks we are on all the major podcast uh, platforms now we're primarily a YouTube channel and anthony's working on getting uh, our podcast updated and uploaded so i'll keep an eye out for that as well i want to thank you so much and just a reminder folks all the voices of the restoration will be heard here on mormon book